You are listening to the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. And for that, I apologize. I would have gotten out today. (laughs) 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 Hello, and thanks for downloading the two Sorry Excuses podcast, recording live via via the internet. I'm your old pal Sanders. I'm your good buddy Liv. And if you are keeping score at home, this is episode 113, the On the Road Again edition. That sounds like one of those jokes, one of those old dudes who are on these old episodes of Johnny Carson that I watch would have told. Yeah, like, um, <laughs> not Don Rickles, because he, no. he was pretty avant-garde. But it Like Charlie been... Callis, because I saw him on there the other day. <laughs> it's like a Charlie Callis-style joke or something, except he'd have some, uh, you know, noises worked in there, you know? Right, 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 right. <laughs> I would have got out today. Right. What's he? Yeah, famous? the reason I said that about I said yeah, text about cool. <laughs> My buddy Ryan, uh, who went to Syracuse for like two years with us. He lives in California. We always talk and Yesterday he called me and he's like, I've been listening to, you know, he's like, uh, he's like, I've been picking and choosing to listen to certain parts, not the whole thing, because I just don't have time to listen to the whole thing, but I've been listening to parts. He's like, that other guy, you know, he's always talking about his kid or whatever. <laughs> was, he, was he all indignant? <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's what I want to talk about. Fuck you, Ryan. <laughs> hey, pick and choose this podcast to listen to, you douchebag. <laughs> I was like, that's but, uh, enough do us a favor. It's fine. Do us a favor, leave a review. I don't think he realized that that one episode was heavy Cole-centric anyway, you know? Uh, yeah. And he's yeah. skipping through it, you know? <laughs> right. Well, wait till, he, wait till I upload the Muppets episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the world's been waiting for that for long enough at this point. Uh, it's, uh... What are you we know, doing? Six months? <laughs> yeah, easily. Easily. It's gonna be um, like those the lost episodes of the honeymooners. You remember that when we were kids? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um I actually saw a trailer uh for a movie. Um it must have been on Reddit or something. And the premise is or actually the, the, the true story is the um the guys put um, it was like maybe a comedy troupe, like a, un- a YouTube comedy troupe, and they yeah. put a Kickstarter campaign, Kickstarter campaign up to fund their movie, seventy five thousand dollars to to um, to fund the making of a, a motion picture, and then they just didn't deliver. <laughs> they just said, "Listen, we're not gonna, we're not gonna." We're not going to make the movie. We can't make the movie. And there was like a bunch of backlash and, you know, Kickstarter investigated or whatever. Um, well, two years later, they released the trailer of a full-length motion picture about guys who scam Kickstarter. Yeah. And blow all the money before they actually get to make the, the movie. So it was like, it's a pretty meta joke, you know, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to have it kind of go on like an Andy Kaufman kind of deal. 
Yeah. Uh, so that's what the uh, that's what the Muppets episode is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I didn't spend any money on the Muppets episode. <laughs> I'll let you know when it comes out, so you can. I'm tell. out five bucks in that Muppets episode. <laughs> you can tell Ryan when the uh, yeah when that's coming out. So I was like, I don't care how you listen to it, man. We just need the downloads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he's gonna hate this episode. Why are you gonna it's... talk about Cole again? No, more fam, more Desantis family. Uh... More family, DeSantis family. Oh, it's the DeSantis family turn. Shenanigans. But, uh, no, this one is a... Uh, I hope it's good stuff if it's shenanigans. Yeah, well, it's um, it's poignant. It's moving. Um, it was a um, couple... Did it involve the Red Bull soccer team? It did, invo- it did involve the Red Bull soccer team. How do you know? Josh is the most active social media DeSantis there is. Oh, uh, okay. All right. How 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 often does he update? Uh, I don't know how often he updates. He's not that crazy, but it, he puts up uh, pictures major, every now and then. Major happenings. He's on. Top yeah, of and he put happening. up a picture. Yeah, you know, I uh, I'm not gonna spoil it. Let's. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. So, and I don't know if 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 I've talked about it because I've been a little. Uh, I've been uh, uh, cognizant that it's not my story to tell, but um, for about the I know, la- but I don't think you've talked about it on the pod. Yeah, yeah I don't think so. So the last uh, year or so, um, my mom's been getting treatment for breast cancer. So a little, I'm going to say maybe a little bit after Christmas. So she found out before Christmas um, that she had breast cancer and... Um, didn't tell anybody till after the holidays and started treatment sometime, I think in February and all signs were, they caught it early. She was very optimistic and, and, um, you know, in good spirits and, and ready for the battle, you know? Yeah. But that's before you take your first dose of chemo. That's before you lose your hair. That's before you're sick all the time. Um, because regardless of, of what your prognosis is, I guess, or your diagnosis is the, the treatment process is relatively similar for the various stages, I guess. Right. Whether you got stage one, two or, or, or advanced, you still got to do your chemo. You still got to take your medication. You're still going to feel like shit. You still have cancer, right? Yep. It's all about the earlier you catch it, the better. So luckily they had uh, they had caught it um, small enough, early enough, treatable enough, and she kind of went through the 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 uh, the stages of uh, of the treatment and got her chemotherapy and um, all signs were looking good. And then she had to have surgery. They went in, they got what they thought they'd get in, and then she went back for the checkup, and they realized that they didn't get everything. So that's kind of mm-hmm. like that, you know, everybody is like up for the fight when it's on schedule, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like that initial blast of you have cancer kind of hits everybody. And like you follow her lead, you know, if she's going to be strong and, and, and you know, optimistic, then obviously you're going to be strong and optimistic, right? But when there's an obstacle, like that's not in the playbook, you know, you're like, fuck, Turns out yeah. they end up doing a little more treatment, 
they go in, they do a second surgery, they get what they need to get, and it's one of those blessing in disguises kind of deal that um, they found more, like an unrecognizable or an untraceable tumor um, that doesn't show up on MRIs or whatever. But they saw it while they were in there, and they got it because it was a new growth that probably wouldn't have been detectable for another three to four years, but yeah. it would have probably had to go through the same process, et cetera. So she's finally, after all these months, 10 months, um, or you know, even 11 months of having to deal with this and 10 months of the treatment, uh, she's kind of getting, getting back to herself. And her hair is coming back, and, and she's, um, you know, she's in better spirits because she's feeling better. Um, and she's kind of getting back on with, with day-to-day. But during the whole process, her thing was like, listen, I don't want to make a big deal about this. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily want people to know. I don't, you know, I don't want to really go out in public, which, you know, you can, you can respect. Yeah. You know, yeah. Somebody's dealing with something. And, that's her know, right. That's, that's her right. Exactly. Exactly. But as, as a support system, you want to be... Like, come on, just, you know, who cares? Let's go. Don't let this beat you, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you're not the one puking, you know, eight times yeah, a day. Because yeah, totally. you're, you know, you're on You're not you're the on one dealing with all the shit. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, as she kind of got better, um, she, she kind of got a little more, um, she, t- she took control uh, a little more. Um, and, and, and became a little more confident and wanted to, you know, to go out. She kind of embraced it. Uh, that's probably the best way I could say it. Um, <clears throat> and it was cool because now the kids kind of see, you know, they saw her sick. They saw her lose her hair. They saw her not feeling good, skip this event, couldn't make it for that event, blah, blah, blah. But now they see her bounce back. It's kind of like one of those teaching moments, you know? Yeah, yeah. So a couple Days ago, uh, maybe a week ago at this point, the folks from uh, Susan G. Komen Breast Cancer Fund, who is one of my clients, yeah, um, emails me and says, hey, Matt, listen, we're having this uh, big event at the uh, Red Bull Stadium, and uh, we'd like to That's like have... in Newark, right? Yeah, it's right across the river from Newark. Because yeah, I've yeah, seen it when I was there, you know, it's right there. <laughs> Yeah, they All built right. this uh, bi- this uh, soccer-only stadium about eight or ten years ago, and yeah. uh, it's awesome. It's a huge soccer community up there. New Jersey's big, but in that yep. little area, that's like the hotbed. It's where Tony Mule is from. Yeah, and- especially on all those guys on top of it. A lot of they probably got a lot of Hispanic immigrants up a- in that area too. Absolutely, and they do all the announcements in Spanish and in English. Yeah, so. Um, it's uh, it's fun. It's a nice stadium. It f- fits uh, seats twenty five thousand. Parking is no problem. Um, <laughs> what do you got there? It's one of those plastic bottles. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's I okay. That my could bottle of water. And I crushed the bottle. That could be the loudest bottle of water uh, ever produced. <laughs> I always crush them. You know. Yeah. <laughs> do you go? <laughs> no, it doesn't take that much effort. I think yeah. it's a. Uh, it's part of the design that the bottles are made to crush easy so that they're more compact when you're yeah, okay, right, throwing right. them out. And they're real flimsy, right? It's like yep. taking out of crepe paper. Yeah, you can just take them and they're like collapse, you know? Yeah. Um, right. So we're up at the stadium, and, or we get invited to the stadium, and, my, and, and I was 
I, I didn't think she would do it because <clears throat> that's not really her style. And, you know, I, I didn't want to talk her into it, you know, because I didn't want to feel responsible if she had like a really bad time or if it was a bad experience. But I, I thought it would be a good idea if she did it for, for a lot of reasons, but mostly for her. You know, I, I, it doesn't matter what your mindset is when on the on the uh, outset of some type of like journey, for lack of a better word. At the end, it's nice to be recognized that you that you survived, right? Yeah. E- either either literally or figuratively. So, um, I gave her a, a slight speech. To her credit, I don't think she needed the speech. I think she was she was willing to, uh, you know, to. She knew there was a chance in. this was going to happen before y'all got to the stadium? No, no. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, totally. I mean, she obviously knew there was an event involving breast cancer awareness, right? Yeah, but yeah. It, enti- it entailed a recognition, an on-field recognition. Yeah. So she knew that was all part of the part of the um, experience. She, I didn't know, nor did she, obviously, if I didn't, what that on-field recognition would entail, which is actually kind of the funny part of the story. Um, but we get there, and uh, I invite, uh, you know, I tell Josh and, and Michelle about it, I tell Jeremy and Melissa about it, and they come, they, you know, I get tickets uh, through the Coleman Foundation, they donated tickets to the whole family, um, and they're in the stadium, and I go and I, I see all the Komen people and they're like, oh, okay, go over there, you get your t-shirts, um, you go with this Red Bulls crew, etc. So working in sports, I know what these event crews are like. Like, this is the most important thing in their life. Yeah. You know, yeah. like to get this special recognition right. Meanwhile, they're dealing with a bunch of people who some of them might not have even beaten breast cancer yet. Some of them might be metastatic patients who are, are going to be stage four living with this for the rest of their lives until they don't, they're not alive anymore. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so this, this little orchestrated event is way more important to the Red Bull people than it is to the actual survivors. And every survivor has a family member and there were probably about 30 or so people. Yeah. So about 15 or so uh, survivors or fighters, as they call the the people who have not yet beat it, uh, and then one family member apiece. And what they wanted us to do, and you've seen it, it's at any stadium where they have some type of recognition like this. There's a bunch of banners, right? Yeah. And they, they run the banners out to the field, and a couple people pull them down to the ground, and a couple people pull them up in the air, and they're slanted, and they get the photo ops, etc. I thought they were just going to bring it out bring all of the the breast cancer survivors and and the and the ceremony like at 6:30. You know, the game starts at 7. They do a little ceremony at 6:30. They walk them off the field, they're done. I've seen plenty. Like first pitch at Dodger Stadium happens like an hour before the game. Yeah, yeah, usually a lot of stuff does happen way beforehand. You know, you got Matthew McConaughey throwing out the first pitch to an empty stadium. <laughs> so, who knows, you know, like Whatever, they're going to trot us out. It'll be a photo op. They'll be done with it. They can give out pink T-shirts, and everybody will, will feel good about themselves. But uh, little did I know that this was going on right before the game started. Kickoff was 7. We were on the field for the national anthem. So they're going to parade us out onto the field, 
set us up, have the, the teams come out, sing a national anthem, and then we have to get off the field. But if you've ever been on a field for a professional sporting event, you're not necessarily welcome there. Yeah, yeah. They want you on, and they want you off as fast yeah. as possible. You know, the funny thing about that is last Monday I went to the Monday night game, uh, Saints versus Falcons, and they had a whole big thing on the field because it was the 10th anniversary of the Dome open after Katrina. So they had all these people lined up, and the Falcons players are coming out, and they're, like, busting through the ranks. And I was thinking the same thing about how pissed these players are that all these people are in their way as they're running out of locker room, you know? <laughs> Right. Because it's right. like, you know, it was like a couple hundred people it must have been, you know, because they had a whole horde of them lined up to acknowledge people that were like survivors of the hurricane, however they chose these people, you know? Right, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Two things were in our favor, though. One, um, generally speaking, soccer is a very uh, fan-friendly sport when it comes to the pregame. Like, yeah, they walk well, out yeah, even. They're all even, family. It's a family sport, right? Yeah, even in MLS. I mean, uh, even yeah, even in MLS, they replicate the uh, the EPL, uh, the Premier League um, um, tradition of of players walking out with little kid escorts. Yeah, like you see at the World Cup too now. Right. So yeah, you would never yeah, see yeah. that. Like you would never see that at a professional football game, right? God forbid. That, no, you know, somebody well, because professional football players are getting amped up out of their heads before a game, you know, exactly. Last thing they want is any distraction. Right. Right. Yeah. So that soccer has that going for it. And two, we were actually on the other side of the field, the other sideline, because both teams stay on the same sideline. So they come out of the main tunnel and just kind of, you know, they kind of spill off into their respective uh, team areas, so we're still like a half a field away from them, so we're not in the way, and and we're not gumming up the works or anything. So uh, we're out there with the there's three banners, and they say uh, soccer kicks cancer, which you think they could come up with something a little better than that, yeah, because it kind of doesn't even really make any sense. Yeah, I guess I just like the alliteration though. Yeah, maybe soccer kicks cancer's ass. Is, is what they're going for, but they, they're they a major professional sport, so they can't? I don't know. Yeah, they're not going to put ass on there. Right. So it's a little strange. Um, and um, <clears throat> But you've got these three banners, and there's like ten people on each banner, and we're out there, and we're holding the banners and stuff. And they sit, they the camera comes around, and they're shooting all the women, and it's, it's really cool, and it's up on the, the Jumbotron, and they get a shot of my mom. And uh, as we were walking in, you could actually see the kids, um, Cole included, uh, in the stands. We kind of knew where their seats were. There you go, talking about (laughs) Cole again. What about Emma? Could you see her? Uh, You could see Emma, yeah. Yeah. The big big smile that I picked out from uh, from at least 50 yards away was uh, was Rosemary, Artie, as... uh, as she's affectionately known. That's why Jeremy's. Jeremy's oldest, yeah. Yeah. Jeremy's oldest. Um, when I was at uh, when I was at Club Forty Eight for my uh, for my sabbatical in Jackson, um, Jeremy was also there with his family while they waited for their house to get sold. And uh, Artie and I 
were roommates. We didn't stay in the same room, <laughs> but, but that's what I'd refer to her as my roommate. And uh, she got yeah. a, she she got a real kick out of that. So um, she's a huge smiley kid. She is real excited about things, real animated. Uh, so I, w- I could see her from like fifty yards away, and and that was kind of the main selling point to my mom when we when I tried when I was going to have to, uh, you know, when I was going to try to convince her was that it, regardless if she wanted to do it or thought it was a good idea, that's something like the kids would dig. Forever. Yeah, the kids need to see it. You know, like who's who has a family member who as was on a professional sports field. You know, not many little kids, right? So, yeah. you know, my my grand was on, you know, the field or whatever. Um and sure enough that was exactly worth the price of admission. They absolutely dug it. They were so excited. They had such a good time. Um but at one point we're coming off the field and they're like, "Hurry!" Hurry, you got to run. You got to get off the field. But these are a bunch of 15, 60-year-old women who who have just battled cancer. (laughs) You know? And um, Yeah, and they're like getting them, trying to get them, urging them to move faster and stuff. (laughs) At one point, so my mom's ahead of me at this point, thank goodness. So, like, if, if she were to trip or something, I could at least navigate the situation, you know? And I can kind of like slow the crowd down behind me, but um, I'm like, Mom, listen, if you if you can't go this fast, just let go of the banner, you know, and step. Because if you're in that situation, right, this is how people like fall off of boats while they're fishing, or you know, yeah. get themselves in predicaments because you don't find yourself in these circumstances to begin with, and your natural instinct is to. Just try to keep up, right? Don't let go. Hold on to the fishing rod or, you know, don't slow down. And uh, she's she's not slowing down. She's trying to keep up with the with the whole crowd, you know? And I don't want to be disparaging. I don't want to say, slow, hey, sl- old slow woman, move over, you know? But, like, I know that this is a pretty fast pace. You know how? I know because I can barely keep up with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting winded doing a 50-yard sprint from midfield uh, off to the touchline, you know? That's why I asking cancer survivors. R- right, right. Yeah. And, I mean, she's just done I mean, that's hard treatment. for anybody to do. Right. A 50-yard right. sprint to midfield and run off, you know? Yeah. And it was. It was a sprint, man. They had us moving. So, um, man, to her credit, she kept up and, uh, and you know, had a great time and loved it. The next morning, I went over there because the Colts played at nine thirty. Uh, so I went over to their house and and ate breakfast with my dad and watched him complain about the Colts for three hours. Um, and she and I was like, "Hey, did you have a good time?" She's like, "Yeah, I had a really good time. Appreciate it." But I'll tell you the truth, I'm a little sore from that sprint. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so it was a good time, man. It was a good time. It was a good cause. Uh, it was kind of like, you know, one of those, I don't want to say a once-in-a-lifetime experience because it, you know, it's, it is. Could you join it again next week at the <laughs> uh, New York Football Club or whatever that is? The New York's right. Football New York Club City, New York, FC, is that what F- they call the FC one that's owned by the Yankees or whatever? Uh, yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Um, we'll just call it a once in a week experience. <laughs> yeah. but... A weekly, <laughs> a twice in a month experience of a lifetime. Uh, you know the DeSantis's. If you don't know where they are, they're probably at midfield at some soccer match. Yep, probably getting recognition. <laughs> so that was uh, that was the big. So it was uh, you and your mother that were out there. Yes. Okay. Because yes. the I picture was, that your brother put up, it was you know it was your mother. I think she had either maybe a pink hat or a bandana on or something. Uh, pink shirt maybe. Yeah, maybe. I know there was pink. Uh, wardrobe of some sort involved. Yeah, she had a pink shirt. Um, and to to the Red Bulls' credit, they focused primarily on the cancer survivors, you know, and not their uh, not their guests, which was good. For me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to see here if uh, I can find the picture because he took a bunch. Uh, now I guess this is, I don't know what this is, but. You looking for Josh's picture? Yeah, it's, this is just some like open source or it must be limited. He limits stuff, I guess. Um, cause there's only a couple, couple photos here that are really old. Okay. But regardless, um, yeah, so that was the big happenings. Uh, that was a big happening this week. Uh, yeah, it's the yeah, it's the pink shirt. I'm looking at the picture right now. Ten in New York Red Bulls versus Philadelphia Union. Michelle DeSantis and two others at Red Bull Arena taking in the game, but more, but most of all here to support breast cancer survivor nights. But it's tough, rough go watching the strongest lady I know beat this over the year. See my mama, Eleanor Beaver DeSantis, walk on the field tonight. Made all of us very thankful and proud. So that's, I guess, that's your hand to the side or something. I don't know. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I mean, because you were you were by her side, huh? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the uh, I think uh, I don't know if Cole asked, but Emma did at one point. She asked my mom. Um, she asked my mom, "Why did uh, why did Uncle Matt get to go?" <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Well, because I'm over twelve. Yeah, and yeah. she said, "My dad." And I don't over. have kids. Yeah, she said, "My dad's over twelve, you know." I said, "Oh, okay." I didn't realize it was a competition. My dad's over twelve. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that's my story. All right, that's, my that's story. a good story. Yeah, good times. Thank you, uh, Go Mama DeSantis, and uh, thanks Red Bull. Thanks Susan G. Coleman. It was a good. Uh, yeah, thanks Terry Henry. Yes. <laughs> uh so what do you got going on jeez not really much anymore <laughs> you mean compared to that or you really got nothing going well, on? well compared to that but also it's been so long you know there was stuff that was fresh that i can't even think about anymore you know <laughs> it hasn't you know been that long it's only been two weeks yeah i know that's a long time in our world yeah, no yeah. trip to Lowe's then? No, I haven't had any. That's funny thing that you're saying that because yesterday, you know, when my buddy Ryan was, when when I was talking to him, he's like, yeah, and then you were telling the same story that you told me 
about the uh, trip to Lowe's, you know, with the chain and all that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. Well, because I was telling him like the day it happened or the next day because he, he always calls me like on Saturday mornings or whatever, you know. All right. But I was like, I was, uh, I was like, yeah, that's what I do. I go try to gin up friggin' horrible <laughs> customer service experiences, so I have something to talk about on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna go see if I can get into it with the girl at Popeyes. You know? <laughs> I was like, I guess that's what I need to do. Just start starting shit with people, you know. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to think if I've had anything go on, you know. I don't know. I went to I went to the Saints Monday night game last week, which was awful. Oh, you did? Oh yeah. My buddy, you know, he texted me during the summer. I mean it was a big game to go to because it was exactly the tenth anniversary of the reopening of the dome, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it, it was a big game to go to, but he uh but then uh, before the game, like, they got this whole, you know, club area outside the Dome, like, Champions Square, and there's a band playing. But you can go inside to these air-conditioned halls that, you know, that's like a bar and everything, and they're serving beers in there, you know. So we went in there, and we're hanging out, and I see this guy walk in, and he's hot as hell, and he's in a freaking Darth Vader uniform outfit. Okay. You know, and he's he's got the helmet off and the helmet's painted gold, you know, like he's black and gold Darth Vader. So I started getting into it about, you know, like, what an asshole, you know? Like, the whole idea of super fans is so preposterous to me. Right. Like, like I don't know, I was like, what an idiot. That's the one you're going to choose to do in New Orleans where – you know, at least half the season when the Saints are playing, it's fucking hot as hell. And you're going to dress in an all-black outfit, you know, where you got to, like, he's probably, this was like three hours before game time, too, you know, like, because we got down there early. Yeah. And it's like, this guy's been running around like this all day. It's like 90 degrees with 90% humidity. It just, I don't know. The super fan thing kills me. The idea, it's like, you know, once you do that, you got to commit to that shit, you know? At least all season. Yeah, like you just can't like go one off like, oh, I'm going to dress up like uh, Darth Vader today. Right. You, you know? Right. <laughs> it, is, it reminded me, like I remember being a freshman at Syracuse and, you know, you go to the football games. I remember like pretty much everybody lives in the same dorm even hangs out together, you know, like all yeah. the guys. So there was a guy, and he was one from one of the higher up floors, and and Brewster. We get out there, and he's fucking painted himself orange, and it's like, and he was kind of an asshole anyway. Right. But it's like, dude, you're committing yourself to being the orange guy. It's like now you just can't show up like, like in a, just a t-shirt next week. Like, hey, what's going on, guys? Because people will be like, where the fuck's the orange paint? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's such couldn't a- hack, couldn't hack the orange paint, dude, huh? Yeah. It's like you're making a commitment. And then I run into some girl I uh, went to grammar school with, and she's there with her new boyfriend or whatever, who's like 10 years old and us. And then I was talking to them about the whole ridiculousness of the super fan thing. Because these guys wake up like so early in the morning too. And all the Saints home games are at noon. So these guys are waking up like probably 
five, six in the morning to get dressed, you know? Right. Like, especially these dudes with all the makeup and stuff. And uh, he's like, yeah, well, you know, I did that for a little bit, you know, for a few games. And then gave up. I didn't inquire anymore. But I'm like, <laughs> I was like, wait, at some point in your life, you decide to make a run at dressing up for games. You know, <laughs> he did a trial run where you did it for a few games. You know, I was like, that, that blew my mind. I didn't even inquire what he was. But <laughs> right, right. But obviously this guy found, did it and was like, man, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I don't know. I was so negative on it. I was like, I could get, I might just seem really mean if I start getting into it. Well, what the fuck were you dressing up as? <laughs> right, right. It's just such a ridiculous idea. And now, like, they have their subculture, and they got all these commercials with them in it. They all think they're celebrities, you know. And then, um, like, on one of the morning shows that I always watch, you know, local morning shows, like, the a couple of days before the season began, they got, like, a group of 20 super fans in the audience. And there's, like, a band or whatever play music, and those guys are just sitting there dancing. You know, it's Halo Guy and... Uh, Super Saint, the two po- two guys that dress up like popes, and <laughs> and the most famous of them all, Whistle Monster, this guy that dresses up with shoulder pads and stuff, and has a a big headpiece that's shaped like a whistle, and it because he whistles like with his fingers the whole time, you know. And I was like, you know what, really must suck, you know. You had those seats. You know, you had your season ticket seats and you're right there. And then all of a sudden, Whistle Monster shows up in your section. You know, and you're stuck next to that guy because the whole time he's doing that, you know, those loud shriek whistles. And then they stand up the whole time. And then he's got this big ass friggin' whistle thing on his head. It's like, <laughs> how much would that suck if you were sitting there, you were like a 20 year season ticket holder, and then Whistle Monster sits in front of you? <laughs> you know? Uh, just one quick correction: It's whistle monster. Yeah, whistle monster. He's yes. and he. he Why well, you're googling him? I googled him. Yeah, oh, yeah. he honestly believes he's a full fledged celebrity. His oh. real job: he services the um, credit card terminals at businesses. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, whistle monster. Uh, his real name is Leroy Mitchell. He prefers a nickname of whistle monster. Uh, or for those non-Hudats, Whistle Monster. So it's okay if I call him Whistle Monster. Yeah. You, however. Yeah, uh, Whistle Monster. You All are right. doing a disservice. Well, Whistle Monster. Yeah, you see, I'm not him. even going to do that because he's asking for too much credibility. Um, no, he's in commercials and stuff. But it's just like uh, the guy used to cut my hair who who actually passed away from cancer, unfortunately. I remember years ago, Whistle Monster. He used to uh, service his credit card machine, you know? And, oh, okay. And, All right. And he's like, oh, Whistle Monster's going to take me to a game because he had two tickets. I was like, yeah, because Whistle Monster probably takes a new person to a game every week because you sit at a game next to Whistle Monster for three and a half hours, and you probably don't want to do it again anytime soon. <laughs> he claims to have been uh, – he, he has been – the Whistle Monster uh, since the early 90s. But that doesn't necessarily mean he's been 
a season ticket holder since the early 90s. Yeah, yeah, whatever the case, you know. I don't know. He's only been on... When I was little, the one problem with it, the one... Because you remember super fans weren't everywhere back in the day. Right. You know? Now, every year, there's new ones that pop up. But, like, when I was little, uh, there was one guy who was a big super fan for the Saints. There was a few of them, but there was one who was really famous locally. It was Moses. And it was a it, it was this uh, black fella who dressed up like Moses, and he was really big. He always got on camera and everything, and then Moses disappeared, and it turned out that he had to move to Atlanta for work or something, you know? So that was the end of Moses, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but Moses was the big one. Um, but what kills me, because I saw him at the games, are like people – because – new super fans are being created every year you know like there every year there's people there's at least one guy deciding i'm gonna be this character now so there's like but it's like based on modern tellings of these characters like there's a guy that dresses up as heath ledger's joker from the dark knight he's not just the joker from batman he's the heath ledger version of joker is he dressed in in Saints garb? Yeah, like he's in like he's in Saints themed clothes, like a I think he might be wearing some type of suit like the Joker was wearing in that movie. And then there's like there's a guy who's the Mad Hatter, but he's not the Mad Hatter, he's Tim Burton's Mad Hatter. <laughs> you know, it's like these guys clearly are inventions of the last decade. You know? <laughs> like it's, it's just funny to me it's like what are you gonna dress up as i'm gonna become a super fan but i'm gonna dress up as the heath ledger joker as superman you know? <laughs> so there's a website here uh called big easy mafia oh uh, yeah that's the uh, big easy mafia guy yeah i know about him this is the official super fans of the of the New Orleans Saints. But he doesn't dress up as anything. The guy that found the Big Easy Mafia, they just have t-shirts pretty much. Uh, let's see here. Because <laughs> they did a story about him on TV when the season began, you know? Okay. Um, see, wow, there's a lot things. of super fans. Is that just a product of New Orleans that everything is, you know, pomp and pageantry? Because New York, the Jets have... Um, Fireman, Fireman Ed. Ed. Fireman Ed, who's been around for a long time, and then he quit being Fireman Ed because, I don't know, somebody stepped on his cape. I don't know what the deal was. He just he got didn't. in a fight with the with with the Jets organization yes. themselves, right? Yes. And then he took his helmet and, you know, went home. But he's back. He's back. I don't think the Giants have anybody. The Yankees have the bleacher bums. Yeah, the Redskins used to have the Hogs. They yeah. probably. I wonder if they're still there. The dudes that dress up like pigs dressed in women's clothes, you know. But there are one. The Hogettes, that's what they were. One, two, uh, I don't even know what to count here. The official New Orleans Saints superfans of the Big Easy show all. Superfan cards. There are. 
There's one, two, one, two, three. You're looking at actual people dressed up as super fans? Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. There's twenty-six different they have this Big Easy Mafia site has twenty-six different they call them playing cards. So of of distinct super fans. I gotta check. There's I wonder if Randy Elvis is still around. There was a guy that used to dress up like Elvis. He is. And and he came and performed at Colin's wedding, you know. Who that king? Is that uh, he was born on All Saints Day? He's six from nineteen sixty one. He's an old guy. Let me. I gotta get to that website. Let me. Oh. Uh, let so me it's get Big on e- BigEasyMafia.com. Yeah, I was looking at their Facebook page because they got a, a lot of followers on Facebook. Yeah, all these guys. It's crazy. Well, you know, I think it it's twofold. You know, there was a few people that did it, you know, and then they get a little attention because it's kind of a New Orleans thing. Then, especially since the Katrina thing, it's really blown up, you know. Like, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's out of control. <sighs> all right, I'm getting to the page. So what am I looking for? The So if you scroll down to the main page... Yeah, enter the main site. Uh, I never understand why you got to enter the main site. Shouldn't it just go directly to the main site? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I do. I know exactly what you're saying. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Is to view the site. It's loading. That's probably why we're getting some static because it's probably got heavy on oh, the. Oh um, yeah, right. Heavy on the flash action and stuff on here. Uh no, I, it's it's pretty. Well, it's they got tame. YouTube videos embedded and stuff. I think that's part of the problem. I sent you the uh, the link to the page that I'm on, which has very little. Okay, let me go to that. It all loaded down, but it's fine. But I'm gonna go to what you sent me. Boom. Big Easy Mafia. But the dude that found the Big Easy Mafia, he just wanted to have a group of Saints fans hanging out together or something, apparently. Yeah. Okay. Because he's just a part. Of, yeah, that's. Yeah, that first picture. I guess what they call him, Who That Elvis or something? Yeah. Who That Elvis. I who think that. he used to just call himself Randy Elvis because his, his real name is Randy. I think it might be Bonneville or something like that, you know? Uh, yeah, Bonneville. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Whistle Monster, official official super fan. Yeah, the Pope. The Pope hangs out with another old guy, though. It's not hard to find the most popular New Orleans Saints. The Pope's been around for a while. You know? Learn more about the Pope. See? Chris Grigri? That kind of looks like... When did he come up with this thing? Because he almost looks like Johnny Depp's Tonto. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that's got to be r- rarely new. Flirtalicious. That's a common one they, that, uh, you know, you might not see them all in this page, but these guys who dress up as basically disco guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just throwing a big wig and you're, and you're a super fan. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that girl. See, you see the mad dadder? Yes. That is right. friggin' Tim Burton's Mad Hatter. Right. 
Mr. High Five. I, I don't know how he's a super fan. He just looks like a douchebag. He's from Metairie. Yeah. Oh, ran- see, that is a fairly new super fan. Because I know who that guy is. He's friends with guys I went to law school with. Okay. He's a uh, wealthy Jewish kid. Uh, Randall Singer. Mr. High Five? Yeah. The coach. Now, what's the coach going to do when Peyton gets canned of it? Chris Canan. I grew up with that kid. He's an official super fan. That's the coach. Wait, why, why is he tied to Peyton? Because that's what he's trying to look like. Oh, he's got the he's got the visor on. Yeah, that's what his thing is, the coach. See, this is another one. I saw this guy walking around last week. And it's like, how miserable does this have to be? The be- the bead man, the ones that, you see, the bead man who's dressed up like a yes, uh, yes. medieval knight of a, with bead chainmail or whatever. How right. awful does that have to be? You know. Um. Let's see. Oh God! Black and gold, Phantom of the Opera guy. Come on, man. <laughs> There's Soul Saint. He's always on everything. Sister Soul. I guess that's his wife. Or there's more than that, though. Well, uh, Super Saint. Yeah. There's Halo is, Saint. Okay, that is his. Must be his wife. They have the yeah. same last name. Yeah, right. So now go to the... Yeah, I'm looking at the bottom here. Yeah, there's Saints Joker, which is Heath Ledger's Saints Joker. <laughs> right. As opposed to the Cesar Romero Saints Joker or the Jack Nicholson Saints Joker. <laughs> what is Super Saint supposed to be? Super Saint, I believe that's a brother, the brother of this kid that graduated high school with me. Yeah, he's just... he. He's just a dude with a bunch of shit that sits there and throws a bunch of punches, just like Soul Saint guy does. Yeah. Uh, and what does Hudak Cat do? I don't think she does anything. Sergeant Saint, there you go. That's another one. <laughs> then there's a guy that actually dresses up in a uniform. New Orleans Saints super fan cards. Who that warlord? <laughs> uh, oh, there's a dead one, I guess, in memory of Saints for Boba Fett Saint. Yeah, Saints Fett. Okay. Super Saint. This is so ridiculous. Friggin'. But what's even more ridiculous than that? Was oh I remember when Boba Fett died. You know it's funny that's missing from this. There's a a guy who I know and I I've been to the games with him a few times because he he goes on season tickets with this girl he's friends with dad who's got like a block of six tickets and's been having them since they've been playing in Tulane Stadium in the '60s. Okay. So occasionally he'll have a free ticket, a spare ticket. I'll go to games with him, but. We've run into, he's got a cousin, and he calls himself the Hudak chef, you know, who who dresses up. He carries a spatula and a chef's hat and an apron. Oh, it's just so ridiculous. Like, people just come up with, you know, it's like if I just decide I'm going to become the Hudak mechanic. That hasn't been taken yet, <laughs> you know? The Hudak chef, you know? I think I think what I need to become is Hudak Schneider from One Day at a Time. <laughs> 
I'll start wearing like a gold t-shirt with a black blue jean vest and you know something rolled up in my sleeve or whatever you know you uh <laughs> I, I've got it this is perfect this is perfect you're the who dad attorney yeah right? who dad attorney yeah you wear a um you wear a silver suit like a gold lame silver suit and carry around a a black briefcase right and when you open the briefcase there's like a, a gold shining light, right? Kind of uh, Pulp Fiction style. Yeah. And then you slam it. And anything bad happens, you yell, I object. That's yeah. The thing. Problem is, they probably wouldn't let you bring the briefcase into the dome anymore. Well, they let, looks like they let Sergeant, who that Sergeant bring a bazooka in. <laughs> <laughs> How can your briefcase be worse than a bazooka? Ah, uh, true. You know, I'll say this much, but even worse than all the super fan, super fans was what I witnessed because, you know, the um, the Saints-Falcons is always a big uh, game for travel fans, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, it used to only be the black people that came for the games. Now there's, like, friggin' snot-nosed white kids up there, which I never even knew they were white Falcons fans. Uh, in the terrace, like kind of like I think a lot of them must be like college kids, but they used to not come down. It used to be a big thing, you know. It was like it was mostly the black fan base, and vice versa. A large portion of the Saints black fan base would go to the games in Atlanta, you know, right? Because that's the rival cities, you know, and every every black person in New Orleans has a cousin in Atlanta, and vice versa. So, uh. But now, you know, people, regular people used to not travel. I mean, most people used to not travel for professional football the way they do, like, college games. But now you see it more and more now, you know? Right. Which is why you see a lot more white people at the games now, because it's become a trendy thing for white people to do. Yeah. And also, what? You probably get a flight for, like, 100 bucks from New Orleans to Atlanta. Yeah. Easy. And um, anyway... There was this asshole there last week, and he's running around in an Atlanta Falcons Brett Favre jersey. You know? Yeah. Which I think is the biggest asshole move in the world because, A, if, you were, if you're really an Atlanta Falcons fan, you should be so embarrassed that they fucking traded away Brett Favre. Right. You know? Why would you own a Brett Favre Falcons jersey? And he probably had to get it custom made, you know, off the website or something. Because it's not like... Because who's fucking selling a Brett Favre Falcons jersey? Yeah, that's not even a throwback. Yeah. I mean, that's something he probably had to put the name on. You know, like, you can go put your own name and number on a, a thing, you know, on the website, NFL.com website. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's what he had to do. But why would you want to promote that? Oh, wait, Brett, Brett Favre was a Falcon? Oh, yeah, you're the assholes that sat a Hall of Fame quarterback in lieu of freaking Chris Chandler or whoever the fuck it was. You know? You know? Right, right. <laughs> I mean, it'd be like, I don't know. It, it, it's like how many Red Sox fans are running around with a Babe Ruth jersey? You know, it's right. not something you exactly want to honor, the fact that you traded away a guy that went on to greatness somewhere else. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Commemorating what could have been. Yeah, it's like, oh, so a loser franchise that's always been a loser that 
could have been a winner for a little bit had they been smart and not traded away the Hall of Famer they had sitting on the bench. You're wearing that guy's jersey. I don't know. I, I just found that to be the biggest asshole of the game. <laughs> ah, and that's all I got to say about that. Uh, just for the record, you can uh, you can purchase a Brett Favre jersey from shopfalconsofficialjerseys.com. Well, that's really fucking sad then that they that those assholes really want to buy a Brett Favre jersey. You know? Three styles. That's crazy. How many are they selling? That's nuts. Um probably more than the Jacquez Rogers jerseys that they also have for sale. <laughs> I don't know. You're just a really self-loathing asshole if you're going to buy a Brett Favre Falcons jersey. You know? I, the only way I could see it, if you were a Packers fan, you went to buy a Brett Favre Falcons jersey just so you could rub it in people's faces. Right. <laughs> you know? I could see that, you know? Right. Right. You know, it's like if you want to buy a... Uh, I don't know, maybe if you're a Bulls fan, go buy a Sam Bowie Blazers jersey. <laughs> yeah. That was a guy that was picked right ahead of but Jordan. But at least, at least Sam Bowie, he played. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. It's, it was no, just it's a like, victim yeah, of... You oh, I'm wearing this ironically because I really love the Bulls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, you're uh, you're getting a little crunchy and fuzzy on me. Pick your mic up, will you? Are we good now? We're good now. We're good now. Crunchy and fuzzy. I don't know. That game was terrible. The only good thing to come out of it was, which is a recurring theme in the Saints-Falcons rivalry, is a guy from New Orleans having a big play against the Saints. And that game, it was Jesuit Highs, Dion, Debo Jones, they returned an 80-something yard or whatever it was uh, interception for a touchdown. Well, there you go. Yeah, rookie. It's probably the first guy from my high school to score a touchdown in the NFL in over 20 years, I'm guessing. Who was the last? I'm guessing the last guy had to be a guy named Gil Fennerty, which would have been in the 90s probably. All right. Early nineties probably if he I didn't I haven't looked it up. I haven't called the Elias Sports Bureau. <laughs> but I'm guessing that. All right. Um how is it going to a Monday night football game? To me that'd be a pain in the ass. It is a pain in the ass. You've never been to a Monday night game? No. I've been I've been to Thursday night games, Monday night games, Sunday night games. I've been to them all. Yeah, I could care less. <laughs> and care you know less. what? Going to all Saints games is a pain in the ass to me. You know? Yeah. They're not as big of a pain in the ass as going to an LSU football game. Um, so, uh, so, like, it wasn't that bad the other day. Because Colin, you know, he lives in Mississippi. He had, he had bought... Four tickets for his wife, his brother-in-law, and me, you know? Okay. And it gave me an excuse to get out of the office a little early, so I ended up leaving around 4.30. And I and I took an Uber down there. You know, he got me within a few blocks of the dome, and I got out. It wasn't that bad. 
But and it wasn't even that bad getting out because I left my car by my office and Colin paid money to actually park in a lot right next to the dome, you know, one of the official lots. So we were able to get right out, got to my um, and so many people had left the game anyway by the time it was over. Right. You know, there was probably thirty thousand people left in the dome when when the clock hit zero. You know, so. Um, so you get out there. I don't know. Normally it's a pain in the ass if it's, it's not bad. You know what I mean? Like, cause I was able to get it. I was home before midnight. So that's a good, if okay. you're home before midnight, that's a good deal. Yeah. See, it's a hassle to me just cause you know, you're dealing with crowds and stuff and it's a hassle if you got to worry about parking or something, but if you can get down there. It's, it's easy enough. It's just, I guess I'm a, a complainer. You know, I mean, I think it would suck if I was gone to a Monday night football game like at MetLife. That's got to really suck. Yeah, so that's an hour without traffic, right? Yeah. An hour without traffic. Um, it, it the, On the East Coast, you got the hour later, right? Yep. So it's like a one thirty affair. Yeah. You know, you get knocking home to one thirty in the morning, and it's just not worth it to me. Yeah, like going to a game at Foxborough for that. I, I have gone to a Sunday night game there. You know, I think it was a Sunday night game that I went to with, like, Brian years ago. Yeah, you get it home super friggin' late because it's so far away to begin with. Yes. You know, and then on top of it, traffic, you know, crawls, you know, it comes to a standstill leaving that place. You know, so you're dealing with all that. I... um See, I've always been kind of spoiled anyway, because even when I was growing up, you know, my brother and I, you know, my parents used to, when we were younger, they would drop us off. You know, when I was like 12 and stuff, you know, they would drop us off down at the dome and then they'd pick us up afterwards. And when you live in, you know, Metairie, it's never that bad. But there's people that drive in from like an hour away, you know, like or like across the bridge from the North Shore. And it's like. Man, what a pain in the ass. Then you got to get it. And our traffic here is not nearly as bad as traffic anywhere else. But but that shit's a, a deterrent enough for me. But first, you got to get out of the stadium traffic. Then you got to drive like another hour to to get home. To me, that's just a I, – I couldn't do that. I wouldn't want to do that, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Like going to an LSU game is a real pain in the ass. What's that, like a 45-minute drive? drive? there. What's that? How, how long of a drive is that? Without- it only takes like an hour, about an hour and a half to get to Baton Rouge. I mean, you're gonna take it's gonna slow down a little bit on game day, but then also on top of it, you gotta, you know, if you're just going to a game one off, you don't have parking, you know. Yeah. And if you want to park anywhere near the stadium, you basically got to park like a couple of miles away from the stadium because every year it gets further and further out where they don't allow you to park. Right. You know, and then you got to deal with all that fucking production. Then it's a shitload. See, if you get there during the day, it's not so bad because people are coming at different times, you know? Right. But then when you're leaving, everybody's leaving at the same fucking time. You know, it's 100,000 people crammed into a college campus. You know, it sucks. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, it's just such a production because you got to go up there and you got to get up there. You got to get up there a few hours early. Because you're going to have to find somewhere to park, you know? It's just, I don't know, it's a pain in the ass. Well, before, so the the Red Bulls thing, 
uh, eliminated any thought of catching the Syracuse Notre Dame game. Okay. I just decided that. Could have hung out with Holdridge, man. (laughs) Why is he there? Yeah, he was there. I I was souring on the idea. um, I was souring on the idea earlier in the week. I hadn't gotten tickets because I knew the tickets were going to come down in price. Of course. Because it was. I mean, especially since Notre Dame had three losses by that point, that held back uh, any chance of a sellout at that point. And one of the guys um, who's a big, um, he's a big wig in the um, in the ALS walk community. He's one of the the walk chairs of the of one of the bigger walks. Uh, is a um, Notre Dame alumni club uh, big wig. Apparently, he's a big wig in any organization that he's involved in. And he flies out every he's season tickets out in uh, in South Bend. Uh, he flies out there every home game, um, goes to all the games and stuff. And I was talking to him before the the week of the game, and he was like, oh, it's pathetic. He's like, there's just no nobody. Nobody's excited. Everybody's jumping off the bandwagon. Yep. He's like, this team sucks. I can't play defense, blah, blah, blah. So I knew I, I took the temperature right there and was like, well, if I was going to go, I made the right call. But – yeah, I just there were a lot of hassles that I didn't feel like dealing with, and um, I I was I was really seriously considering not going. I I thought it would not be fun. I wasn't going to have a good time, and then the the Coleman thing came up, and I was like, all right, that's a good enough excuse that I can, you know, I can bail on this thing without looking like a pussy, and then uh, watched it at home and confirmed thought it was a great hour and a half and then the whole thing went to shit so it was perfect dude i didn't get home i i had a really rough night on friday night i i basically maybe got three hours of sleep got home like around nine o'clock so i went and laid down my bed i knew the game was started at 11 i get up out of my bed around 11 15 turn on game it's already 23 to 13 yeah. i'm like what the <laughs> fuck is going on and five, like, there's 500. nine minutes and 45 seconds left in the first quarter <laughs> they have 500 combined yards after 12 minutes, uh, after like three minutes in the into the second quarter. Well, and then I was even like, I'm like, how the hell do you? And this was this was five minutes into the game, and I'm like, how did they even get this point? Shit, I was like, they had a safety or something. What the hell's going on? And I saw that they blocked the extra point and ran it back on us. Yeah, it was insane. The only thing I um. I was telling uh, a friend of mine who's a big Notre Dame fan. I was like, because he was asking me about the game. I was like, the good thing about being a Syracuse fan as opposed to a Notre Dame fan is your season's already over. Every game's going to suck from here on out for you guys. Right. Because you know, y'all, y'all start the season at number 10. Y'all are supposed to do a lot. Now y'all lost three games. It's like, at least in Syracuse, I don't expect to win this weekend. But I'm interested in every game because I want to see what's happening. I want to see progress, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Every game's exciting for me. And and then LSU fired their coach, and I was having the same conversation the other day at a party. I was like, and that's what sucks about being an LSU fan. Your season's over. Y'all have the best player in college football, and he's never going to win the Heisman. His career's been wasted, and your season's fucking over. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, exactly. that sucks. Exactly. Yeah, I just want to get back to 
the Paul Pasqualoni days where, you know, you probably can count on nine wins a season, right? And beating teams you should never beat, but always losing the teams you should definitely beat. But having uh, having a star or two yeah. on the offensive side, a star or two on the defensive side, that makes every any given Sunday, every any given Saturday is the part Friday. <laughs> right, Friday in our case. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any any given weekday. Yes, any uh, given day now since they since you can't nothing's played consistently anymore. Yeah, but that's what used to piss me off about Paul Pescaloni. You know? We'd beat like Miami, but then we'd lose to Minnesota. You know, like these friggin' mediocre teams who were on our schedule so we could beat them, you know? Mediocre right. big conference teams who we put on our schedule so we could beat them and then we'd lose to them. Right. You know? Yet, and it's like, we'd be like eight and three, and it's like, oh, who are the three losses to? Oh, Virginia Tech, Miami, and Minnesota. You know? <laughs> He always lost a head scratcher. Somewhere. Yeah, well, because he was a head scratcher. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you never knew what to make of him. And yeah, but like we we'd beat we'd beat these really good teams, but we'd always lose every year. We'd lose to a team that we definitely were favored over. You know? Yeah, totally. That um, and that Notre Dame game was. Um, was with the first half was fun to watch. You know yeah. the offense. We run, we run in uh, a, a, what is now a mainstream college offense, right? Yep. It's fast tempo. It's high flying. You don't need stars to execute it. You know, you need fast guys, and you need a quarterback. Who's yeah, mobile. and the team's gonna get better as he gets his recruits. You know, as he gets the guys that he needs to plug in there you know he's a good coach man he's yeah a good coach i mean that's why i'm not like people that freak out oh no we got blown out by notre dame it's like i'm not gonna freak out about this man uh, what did you ex- first of all what'd you expect second of yeah. all who cares you know yeah. it's a it's a process yeah it's like i want i mean i w- i would like to see the special teams tightened up you know but as I'm, far as like <laughs> the offense uh, all that shit's gonna come in due time I'd like did you to hear his put... comments the other day? No, what, what he, he said. He, he said something to the effect of basically, you know, I want people to eat the cake once we bake it or something, not okay. eat the batter. Because right. he's basically saying to all the people that are bitching, like, why aren't we winning now? He's like, be patient, you know? Yeah. This, and he's, we're just he's making right. the cake right now. This is just the batter. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So. As far as gone to games goes, though, I will give one other point. I'm a season ticket holder for Tulane. Yes. I park right on campus. It's five minutes away from my house. I drive there. I leave the game, and I'm home in five minutes. Right, right. I much prefer that than having to figure out how I'm getting down to a Saints game and then having to deal with having 70,000 people around you and people – that are right up against you or having to go way the hell up at Baton Rouge where I got to get up way early so I can go up there for a game that's I kick off till seven o'clock, you know, and then not get home till maybe one in the morning when it's all said and done. Right. Yeah. Give right. me my two lane football. <laughs> what you haven't talked much about Tulane. Have, uh, how are they doing? 
Have you been any They're games? doing well. They got a new coach, too, and they're three and two. Yeah, Mike they, Dunleavy. No. <laughs> yeah, he. I guess they started practicing the other day because I know Cuse basketball started practicing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, Tulane's got a new football coach, and, you know, that's the hire they need to make because he came from – he was at Georgia Southern last year. This guy's totally gone through the ranks, you know. He originally – his first head coaching job was like at some Chuco school years ago. Then he was coaching, uh, what's it? Is it Southwest Texas State? I think it was, which is a Division One AA team in Texas. He won there. Then he got hired by Georgia Southern. He won there, and then Tulane hired him. Uh, Sam know? Houston State. Sam Houston State. Okay. Te- actually, Southwest Texas State. I think is just Texas State now. But yeah, they used to all be in the same conference. But Texas State is a Division One A school now, FBS now. I guess they're in the Sun Belt or something. I guess. But yeah, Sam Houston State because he can't. So he was there. I think they played two years in a row. They played for the title, the FCS title. Yep. Two thousand eleven. So he's just a winner. He doesn't lose anywhere he goes. Right. That's what Tulane need. They need. They they have a losing culture. They need somebody who knows how to win. Yeah, change uniforms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> they should have beat Wake Forest. That was the opener. They played at Wake Forest. They lost seven to three. But I mean, that was the whole product of them installing a new offense, all with new players. You know, guys that never played quarterback since high school and shit. But then the next week, you know, they won. They beat Southern. You know, but then they who do we play? They played Navy, and they could have won the Navy game. They ended up losing by a touchdown. That was a game, and Navy's got a good team. Then they they beat the Raging Cages, and then last week they went to UMass, and the way I know, UMass actually gave Mississippi State a pretty good game the week before up there, but they played UMass, and I watched the game on the Watch ESPN, and they were down 14 to nothing within five minutes of the game. Old Tulane would have just rolled over and lost the game. They ended up winning, you know. After that, they just... It's like, that's how I know they got a good coach, you know, because like loser teams will just roll over if they get down uh, early, you know, like the Greg Robinson Syracuse teams. You remember that? They got uh, down. It was just right. That was it. Pack it up. Yep. Like that's what happened in the game against UMass the other day. UMass scored two touchdowns within the first five minutes of game. Like that's the type of shit that used to happen. The Greg Robinson teams where before you even could catch your breath. You were already down 14 nothing, and it was just throwing the fucking towel. <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell you have a good coach if they don't throw in the towel, and they went on to dominate the game, basically. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and see, I don't think Babers throws in the towel. You know, even though we got blown out by Louisville, you know, they didn't throw in the towel. They were still friggin' fighting, you know? It's just yeah. that you can't do much when your secondary is – a not too good and be thin on top of it, you know. Right. Well, that's good, man. It's always fun when you, when uh, when you can enjoy something like that. You know, you're part of something. Yeah, and well, that's why I feel kind of. That's what I. That's why I like this college football season because both of the teams I root for are in that process. You know, and I yeah. think both of the teams I root for have good coaches that will win, so it's positive. You know. Right. I mean, it sucks like when you're like three years in to a coach who you know is going to kind of suck. You can already see it, you know. It's never going to go any more than it's been, you know. Just kind of the way it ended up with Scott Schaefer last year at the end of the road, you know. 
Right. It's like, yeah, it's it's not like it's not like the pro game where a strong front office can can overcome like a mediocre coach, right? And yeah. maybe they turn it around and and they make the playoffs. Yeah, you for give the them the right time. players or whatever, yeah. You know. College is is all about is all about the the environment, right? It's all about the program. It's all about the coach. Yep. And his yeah, message. The cult of the coach, yeah. You know? So yeah. that's cool, man. That's good. That's fine. Yeah, so, so, I mean, it's been a good season. So, I mean, I don't know what Syracuse is going to do. I, it's If they win, if they somehow are able to win six games, that would be great. But, I mean, we have a, you know, as long as we beat the teams we should beat and then maybe beat one team that, you know, maybe it's ahead of schedule to beat them, yep. I'll be happy, you know? Let me, I don't even know what's on the rest of our schedule. Schedule. Uh, this week we got Wake Forest. We should be Wake Forest, although they might be favored. Uh, it's should at, be able yeah. to be Wake Forest. It's at Wake Forest. Uh, you'll be happy to know they're all Saturday games from here on out. <laughs> That's good. Um, couple winnable games, but at uh, so we play Virginia Tech at home. I think that's a winnable game. I know that's. I guess. Well, I guess it's going to be two forty-five my time. They just announced a kickoff time for that game the other yeah, day. Yeah, right. Yeah, two forty-five your time at Boston College. That's a winnable game. That's winnable because Boston College sucks. Then we play at Clemson. Yeah, well, chop that up. Unless, I mean, I said, we might be able to score points against them, but we're going to be screwed otherwise. I would say that anything less than a sixty-three point drubbing. Is a is a moral victory, which is crazy because I remember what was it right after my um, it was my sophomore year when we played them in the Gator Bowl and we beat them forty to nothing. Right. Uh, then we play uh, Florida State. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Clemson. Then North Carolina State. North Carolina State's winnable at home. Uh, then we play uh, Florida State at home. Yeah, I mean, Florida State's hit or miss, man, because you never know what they're going to do. And Pitt's winnable. That Florida State, that Florida State game, who they have to be playing like Florida the next weekend, right? Yeah, that's always their Thanksgiving. Yeah, so I don't know. They, they, they come up to the dome. We you know, played maybe, them tough up there a couple of years ago, I think. Maybe catch them looking ahead, you know? Yeah, I mean, the other thing is Florida State. See, they're ranked 23 right now. They've had a rough season. They were number two to begin with. By the time they get to us, they might not have so much invested anymore either, you know? Right. You know, we might have them in a good spot. So, uh, Tulane's supposed to play at UCF in Orlando on Friday, but now there's doubts whether that game will actually be played because of the hurricane. Oh, yeah, right. So, but fortunately, they both have the same open date, so it might get moved. But I can't, I can't see them playing right now because by Friday, it's that hurricane's supposed to be right over Orlando. Yes. Yeah. Now Virginia Tech's number twenty-five. Hmm, interesting. Okay, we got to buy. Halloween week. All right. 
All right. Well, you have anything else, man? No, that's it, brother. That is it. On that note, then, uh, with apologies to Kirk's brother, we will see you guys next week. Good night, Fredo. Text me.